Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Did you fall for the announcement of a new mayonnaise combined with Butterfinger candy bars? How about the new Google Play for pets to keep your dog or cat occupied when you're away? Or maybe you're looking to buy a pair of invisible earbuds. Those are a few of the April Fool's pranks released today, and we're acknowledging April 1st and the importance of not taking things too seriously. It's a day for pranks, jokes, and good-natured foolishness. We're back right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Pope Francis has apologized to Canada's Indigenous people for the Catholic Church's role in the Indian residential school system and has asked for forgiveness. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, the apology comes after meetings this week at the Vatican between the Pope and First Nations, Métis, and Inuit delegates. This apology is what many of Canada's Indigenous people have spent lifetimes waiting for and hoping for. The Assembly of First Nations lead delegate Chief Gerald Antoine called it a historic day. Today is a day that we've been waiting for and certainly one that will be uplifted in our history. His Holiness Pope Francis, head of the Catholic Church, has issued a long overdue apology for the Roman Catholic role in church-run residential school. It's a historical first step, however, only a first step. The next step is for the Holy Father to apologize to our family at their home. During the final meetings with delegates from First Nations, Inuit and Métis, speaking in Italian, the Pope asked for God's forgiveness for what he called the deplorable conduct of members of the Catholic Church for the wrongs done in residential schools. I want to say, he continued, with all my heart, I am very sorry. About 190 people, including delegates and survivors of the residential schools, had gathered during that final address. The Pope has also promised to travel to Canada in the days around the Feast of St. Anna. That falls on July 26th, but no firm date for the visit has been set. From the late 1800s to the late 1900s, about 150,000 Indigenous children were forced to attend the government-funded church-run residential schools across Canada. Thousands were abused. More than 4,000 died. The last residential school closed in 1996. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. The FBI and Blackfeet law enforcement executed a search warrant at the residence of the Blackfeet Nation's chairman early Thursday. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton reports at least four arrests were made for the alleged sale of synthetic opioids. FBI spokesperson Sandra Barker said a search warrant was executed at Tribal Business Council Chairman Timothy Davis's home, where eight individuals were arrested. Barker said Davis was not among those taken into custody. She said the search is part of an ongoing investigation and declined to share more details about the case. Reached on his cell phone, Chairman Davis told MTPR he was not at home when law enforcement officers searched his residence. He said he did not know anything about the case and declined to comment further. Tribal Councilmember Mark Pollock confirmed that Davis was traveling on behalf of the tribe at the time the warrant was executed. 
Blackfeet prosecutor Josh Lamson says at least four tribal arrest warrants were served for the alleged sale of a small amount of fentanyl. Those individuals are likely to be arraigned Friday. Lamson says it isn't yet clear what the remaining four people are charged with. The names of those arrested have not been released. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton. Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. signed legislation Thursday investing $120 million for affordable housing, low-income home repairs, and other housing needs for Cherokee citizens in Oklahoma. The tribe previously invested $30 million to replace and repair homes of elders, those with disabilities, and energy conservation projects. The new investment comes from the tribe's general revenue fund and dollars from the federal American Rescue Plan. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Support by the National Indian Child Welfare Association, dedicated to the well-being of Native children and families. News and information on NICWA, as well as how you can show your support at NICWA.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. When's the last time you laughed till you cried with your cousins? We spend a good amount of time in Native America kidding around and laughing. Humor is good medicine. And it could mean big bucks for all of us. One Native company is mining Sovereignty Coins. It's an open source, native-to-native, free-range, and cage-free virtual currency. Sovereignty Coins are mined from the algorithms of Native women's laughter, and are stored at every tribal enrollment office. Enrolled citizens like myself can then access Sovereignty Coins with the tribal Wi-Fi password included in the gift baskets we get from the enrollment office at birth. So I hope you know where your tribal Wi-Fi password is so you can have full access to your Sovereignty Coins. We'll learn more about Sovereignty Coin this hour. It's April 1st, and we're talking about native humor today. And we have some comedians joining us, and we hope you will too. What does native humor do for you? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Who are the funniest native people you know? That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us from Prince George, British Columbia, is Howie Miller. He's an award-winning comedian, actor, and writer. He's Cree from the Paul Band First Nation. Welcome back to Native America Calling, Howie. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, and there is a hockey team there in Prince George that carries my namesake. I'm a big fan, the Prince George Spruce Kings. <laughs> Excellent. I was not aware of that. I'm sorry. I only watch the big leagues. <laughs> only the NHL. I hear you. Speaking with us also today is Daryl Lawrence Felipe. He's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's an entertainer, and he is Acoma Pueblo. Welcome to Native America Calling, Daryl Lawrence Coatzee. 
Oh, thank you, Sean. Thank you for inviting me to this show. Happy to be part of a great uh, calling feature here in, in a great Indian country. Absolutely, brother. Looking forward to the conversation. And also, we have Rob Fairbanks. He is in Cass Lake, Minnesota. He's a comedian known as the Res Reporter. He's Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. Welcome back to NAC, Rob. Hey, how's it going? We're doing wonderful, Rob. And you know what? I think it's time for a weather report. Can you hook us up? Yeah. This is your uh, Native American calling weather report for today. It's about uh, 34 above. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the skies are it's, uh, partly cloudy right now. So the sun's like just peeking at me. Yeah, barely looking at me. It's kind of one eyeballing me right now on that cloud there. Yeah, so uh, the snow's starting to melt too, so getting kind of slushy out. Yeah, so if you're out, you better put down your rain boots or something because uh, oh, my old mocks are just soggy. Uh, oh, <laughs> toes are just frozen. Can't even feel them. I'm all numb on my toes. But yeah, the uh, snow's cleared up, and uh, if you're outside walking around, uh, watch out because uh, that it might not be mud you're walking on there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob. That sun eyeballing us from between the clouds and those uh, those sloshing around moccasins. I can totally relate. Thank you again for that wonderful weather report going out to all of Native America. Sunny skies, gray skies, whatever you got going on in your neck of the woods. Howie, let's get Let's talk about these sovereignty coins. Oh my, oh my gosh. Um, we deal with a lot of financial topics on the show, and these sound like an amazing opportunity. I understand you've already invested in sovereignty coins. What are you going to do with them? Uh, well, you know what? I plan to uh, build uh, affordable living on my community. Uh, if I raise enough, uh, <clears throat> also for um, uh, I'm manufacturing. I was manufacturing over in China, but since all the COVID thing happened, I had to had to transplant all my workers here. We make snagging blankets. Uh, <laughs> we want to do a mass production, though, so I would invest heavily into those. Snagging blankets. I wonder if somebody could buy snagging blankets using sovereignty coins. That's, that's, that's the dream. That's the hope. <laughs> Howie, I'm too excited. Hey, um, you've got a new comedy album coming up in a couple of weeks. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be released. Tell us about it. Yeah, I, uh, it's uh, it's called Colonize This. It's my first professionally produced album. Uh, I used to be like a lot of entertainers uh, in the in the early, or I guess late '90s, early 2000s. I had my own CD that I burned myself, and I had my kids helping me with you know pressing the stickers on and whatnot. And I would sell those after the show, um, but I never had my own professionally done album. So I did this a couple months ago um, with uh, Comedy Records in Toronto and. Uh, they flew out and recorded me at uh, one of my weekend shows, and uh, I can't wait for it because, again, it's my first one, and it'll be available on all the the, the digital media, Apple Music, uh, I believe it's uh, Spotify, Google Play, and a host of others, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we're really looking forward to it, too, and I'd actually like to share a clip 
from one of Native America's veteran comedians. Here's a sample of some of Howie Miller's stand-up at the Native American Comedy Slam. Why not? I mean, you've been on our land for so long. Why not elect the uh, first Native American president? When's that going to happen? You with me on that one? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. You know, all the Native people clapping, all the white people are just like, oh my God, that would be a bad choice, hey? Can you imagine that? The first day of business, they'd be like, okay, people, uh, my first order of business, all you white people, you can go home now. No, I love what you've done with the place. Looks great. Uh, the boats are waiting. Last call. If you're going to elect an actor, why don't you elect an actor that's cool? You know, elect somebody that you can understand at least, that speaks the language. I think Christopher Walken would have been a better president. I mean, he won't make any sense, but you'll understand him when he's not making any sense. Can you imagine that? He shows up. Hey, everybody, thanks. I really appreciate being the president. Wow. It's crazy. The environment is out there. We got to do something. That was a clip from Cree comedian Howie Miller. He's one of our guests today. Howie, good stuff. Um, what got you into comedy? Um, you know, I want to. The radio answer is like, oh, I was the class clown, and I just found a stage somewhere. Uh, no, it was just a dare from my buddies to say, you do all these funny voices, you should go to an amateur night. And I did that, and that's uh, that's about 25 years ago. Um, and where my area where I was living, there wasn't any, uh, you know, Native American comedians. There was like maybe two or three of us in the entire country. Um, and I wasn't even lopped myself into that sort of category because I was just starting out. So they, the Yuck Yucks comedy clubs here in, in Canada, they said, we should fast track this guy because we could, you know, he could make us money, he could make himself money. And then, you know, it, uh, it worked out uh it was awesome, you know, so, and here I am today, still touring, thank, thank goodness. 25 years, that is a long time in the business for sure, and how I've always been curious about comedians, are, are, are you guys born funny, or is it a skill that you have to learn? I, I think it very much relies on your, your surroundings when you're young, um, and not to, not to bring the, the show down, but I've talked to all my comedian friends, all my colleagues and whatnot, and I'd say a good 90% of us have some sort of childhood trauma. Now, trauma, I use that word, you know, because I can't think of a better one because it's not, sometimes it's not so bad. Sometimes just being the youngest member of the family is traumatic for some people. Uh, and a lot of us are the youngest member because we have to fight for attention when we're growing up. So when we, when we, when we reach sort of a, a puberty, we sort of break out and that attention we, we have this natural ability to get people's attention and make them, you know, listen to us. And if you can make them laugh, that's a bonus. So that's, that's how I found it. You know, I just, I was always, you know, I was the youngest and uh, I was trying, because when you're the youngest, they don't care about you anymore. The first kid, they, they dote and the, that's the angel. But the, by number five, they're like, I think we have some clothes in a bag in the closet <laughs> for you. Yeah. I think anybody that comes from a big family can relate to that. Howie, we hear so much Indian humor in our communities, native humor, and but I always wonder, like, how how would you define, like, like what is it that makes a joke Indian humor? Like, what are the key elements that that make it so unique? I, I I'm always kind of struggling to kind of put my finger on. I know when I hear it when it's Indian humor, but I can't really define it. Can you? You know, it, that's a tricky one because it, it it is kind of hard to define because it is a separate thing. 
when you go to uh, Native communities, you know, they have their own sense of humor and everyone is different, you know, in every, in every uh, community that you travel to across North America, they all have their own, their own ways. So, um, and it, it's interesting because a lot of people say, well, I, I don't think Native Americans are that funny. They're always so mad and they look so mean. And the women are always so, <laughs> so scowling. It's like, that's just the front, you know, we just put that on so you'll leave us alone. And then when we're on, it's, it's, I think it's really family based community based um that's mm-hmm. that's the thing because we are all about family we're all about our cousins and our, our aunties and uncles and everything like that so it's very family and community based i think and and sort of demographically where you're from um so we still do that storytelling that we did you know many moons ago before before the white man came we still do that in our communities and then we branch out to other communities to to hear their stories and their laughter so i think it's it's in our nature to do that. So that's I don't know if that was the answer because I don't think there is an answer, but that's my take on it. <laughs> no, I think that's a that's a really good uh, summary and really provides a, a lot of light into to this mystique of what we think of as Indian humor for sure, folks. April Fool's Day. Um, just want to remind you, you don't want to go out and try and buy any sovereignty coins. Um, that is an April Fool's joke. Gotcha. But if you do have a question or a comment for us, give us a holler, 1-800-996-2848. That is the number to call. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. If you've got a good native humor joke to to share with the audience, feel free to do so. Give us a call. You're listening to Native America Calling, and we're going to be back after this break. Skateboard decks are the canvas for dozens of Native artists who are merging old and new traditions in an exhibition in Albuquerque. The artworks bring Native images and inspirations to what might be considered an unlikely medium. We'll hear more about the Pivot Art Exhibition on the next Native America Calling. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strongheart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strongheart's Native Helpline. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's April Fools, and we're talking Native comedy today. And you can join our conversation. Did a friend or family member already prank you? Call in and tell us about it. 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Let's bring our next guest in, Daryl Lawrence Filippi. Daryl, earlier we were talking with Howie about Native humor and, and how it's so hard to define but we definitely know it when we hear it. And I want to ask you, Daryl, do you think it's evolved native humor in your lifetime? Like thinking back to when you were a kid, is it different? Was it different then than it is now native humor? Well, to, to start about, I, I felt for you guys prank about the sovereignty coin that I was going to ask how <laughs> if I could buy one for, for giving out hickeys and see if I can get, make my collection. <laughs> 
Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Native American humor has evolved. I mean, uh, we're, we're we're basically almost mainstream, like in, like it was before. Mister um, um, Hill, Charlie Hill, was kind of the, uh, one of the leaders in the Indian humor realm. And so, in fact, just watching him on um, like the Johnny Carson show um, led me to try to take up some uh, Indian comedy. I got my start uh, on the, as a radio host uh, right here in Albuquerque on the Indian uh, show called uh, Yeah uh, Singing Wire, which I did for like ten years. It kind of opened I up remember. the door to start. Yeah, it opened up the door to start hosting here and there. I, I hosted a Native American program in Las Cruces, New Mexico, at the university there. And they asked me to do about 10 minutes of humor, and that kind of launched my uh, comedy career. But it's still tough. I mean, being Native American, yeah, I imagine Howie and the other uh, comedians still know that it's, it's still tough being Native American trying to break into the comedy realm. Um, and then on my part, you know, I uh, had my identity uh, stolen uh, not too long ago, but not to worry. Uh, it raised my credit uh, score quite a bit after I got it back, so <laughs> I'm happy about that. So. Talk about making uh, lemonade out of lemons for sure. Daryl, you've been in show business a long time. Uh, what's your favorite part about traveling to gigs with other entertainers and comedians? That was fun. I used to travel with a guy, I don't know if he... Um, anybody remembers him, his name was Drew LaCapa. He is from the White River Apache tribe in Arizona. He did a show here in Santa Fe one time, and and I was scheduled to go to his uh, casino in Honda, Arizona, and asked him if I could catch a ride with him. So he said, sure, hop in. And he had this old beat-up Ford. Uh, he had um, um, vice grips as a the window handle. And it was a lot of fun traveling with him. And uh, he he just he taught me a lot about things about timing and all that, and um, but he's a great guy, so missed him quite a bit. Well, speaking of Drew Lacapa, we have a short audio clip of his com- comedy. Here he is explaining a to a crowd back in 2011. You know how Indians are. We always say, hey. <laughs> you know that. Remember, you tell a story, hey. and there's many ways of saying. Hey. There's like the astonishment, eh? you know? or the one where something's really funny, you go, eh? but in wire, we get more specific because we say, hey, yeah. and you know, it depends on how, like if you're drunk, yeah. you know, or somebody tells you not to do that and they're scolding you, you go, yeah. you know, or something's really funny, you go, Or, you know, there's just like the other kind of K.A., like where you're really astonished, like you're, you know, because in the white world, it's like hard to translate, so because white folks always say, so what does K.A. mean? It's like, whoa, you know, it's like that, you know, the best I can come up with. It's kind of difficult, but they say it in Hopi, you know, they don't say anything, they just go, Then when you go down to, down to cells, they go, so, you know, it's different everywhere you go. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I don't know what they, what did they say in Kuchan, man? Vignette. What? <laughs> Vignette? <laughs> I've never been to Kuchan, so this is really intriguing to me, you know. 
and wait, ready to go out and meet the community. And it's just like right there, you know, your HUD homes are right there. Because I come, yeah, I got like a HUD home. I came from a HUD home, man. It's like your HUD homes are right there. It's like, you know, I'm gonna go over and play a role like Nichols. You kids stay right here. And then from here to there, you're trying to figure out how to trade off your food stamps for a roll of nickels, two for one. Come walking across, kicking your, kicking your empty food stamp thing. I didn't win a thing over there. They always give it to the white guys. Can't even win in my own casino. Sure, I drag. Those people are sure somehow. That was comedian Drew LaCapa in front of a live audience. Call in. Tell us any jokes you have. 1-800-996-2848. Daryl, I got to tell you, like, in my entire life, I've, like, never mastered how to say A. I I just, like, can't get it, man. Like, I listen to other Native people. They say it all cool and it's all fun. And I just sound, I can't even say it right. How about you? Oh, I can't say it right, but uh, I know the Indian women know have mastered A, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I was just going back to when what Howie mentions. He goes, you know, women, Indian women always have a front. They always look mean and stuff like that. And I was thinking, they look like that because of Indian men. You know, we're always messing with them and we're getting in trouble. And that's why they mean, they look mean all the time because of the Indian men, I think. Um Anyway, Maybe um, you're right. back to uh, <laughs> uh, back to Drew. Uh, we did a show one time for a, a, a Indian conference in Vegas, and we stayed at the Flamingo. And he he goes, he we opened the door to the room, and it was a beautiful room. I mean, just high class and everything. He goes, man, we're Native Americans, and we don't deserve something. I don't even know how to act. And I go, yeah, you're right. And he goes, oh, I know what we should do. We should do what every Indian in America has the right to do. So we stole all the towels, done toilet paper and soap so that we could find in the room. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, but I hope you didn't get caught. No, he he gave them away at one of the shows that he said, I gotta do a giveaway, he said. So uh <laughs> that's what he gave away for the night. <laughs> toilet paper and towels. Oh, that's classic. Well, speaking of Indian women, we've got one on the phone right now. Harley. She's listening in Dulce, New Mexico on KCIE. Harley, you're on Native America Calling. What's up? How's it going? Doing well, doing well. I hear you had a prank that backfired. Oh, (laughs) yeah. My prank did backfire on me. Um, So my children were getting ready for bed and... My middle schooler, she doesn't have school today, and I knew that last night. But in order to get her to bed, I said, no, you have school too, so you got to go to bed. With April Fool's in mind, I figured I was going to get up with, like at 5 with them and say, April Fool's, you don't have to go. But mom gets up at 7, and the kids get up at 5 to go to school. And <laughs> their dad sent her to school on the bus at five in the morning and I got up like around seven and I was like um I said where's where's she at and he's like what do you mean he's like um well I sent them out of school I said well she didn't have school I was just kidding to get her to bed I was like oh my gosh (laughs) you sent her to school so then we get a phone call from 
the principal, and then he's like, um, we have your daughter here, and she doesn't have school today. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Somebody's going to go pick her up. <laughs> like, have her do some light homework or whatever. And I was like, we'll be there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so hilarious. Harley, I think that little girl deserves some, like, pizza tonight for supper, a trip to Sonic, I don't know, ice cream, something. That's cold. That is cold. <laughs> so I, like, can you tell her uh, her dad's saying April Fool's? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my okay, gosh. Okay, April Fool's, April Fool's. Harley, thank you so much for calling in. Take care. All right. We'll Happy see you April guys. Fool's Bye. Day. Okay. Daryl, um, craziest April Fool's joke you've ever told or prank. Do you have one? Oh, let's see. Um, um, let's see. Oh, I, um, I, I have an aunt, and she's kind of crazy herself. Uh, she was a, 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 a tribal cop, and she was telling me her story that she pulled a prank on one of these guys that she stopped. And um, she pulled him over, and the guy was an old man from Laguna. Uh, so she knocked on the window and told him, guy, and he was with his wife, kind of elderly, too. He's, um, so she knocks on the window, and she goes, excuse me, sir, you know how fast you were going? And the old man looks at his wife and says, what did she say? Because he was kind of hard of hearing. She goes, do you know how fast you were going? She's asking you. Oh, officer, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't know. Uh, was, it, was I going fast? She goes, just a bit. She goes, where are you from anyway? So he asks his wife, what did she say? She says she wants to know where you're from. She goes, he goes, oh, we're both from Laguna Pueblo. He goes, and my aunt goes, oh, gosh. I, I used to date a guy from Laguna. He was, he just didn't treat me very good. He was no good. So he looks at grandma and says, what did she say? She says she knows you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh geez, not reflecting very well on my my Laguna people, oh, but but definitely definitely is funny. from Laguna. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Daryl. Earlier, how we mentioned how uh, a lot of comedy comes from you know kind of kind of a dark place. Uh, some people have had some issues in the past, and I'm curious. Um, has has humor gotten you through any tough times in your life? Daryl, are you there? Oh, you talk, you asking me? I, I thought you were asking Howie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh no, no, I was asking uh, you, you if it's got helped you get through any tough times. Oh yes, quite a bit. Um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, um, um, humor is sometimes the best medicine. Um, it actually, it's, it's a soothing kind of deal. Um, I was doing a show at the New Mexico State Fair one time, and um. These two young ladies came up to me after the show and said, we just came up here just to say hi and shake your hand and say thank you. And I go, oh, you're welcome. Did you enjoy the show? Well, yeah, of course. But it, it was our mother that really enjoyed the show. She's right here. She was sitting in a wheelchair, and I go, oh. And so I shook her hand, and, and I said, oh, did you enjoy the show? And she goes, oh, gosh, you won't know. I laughed so hard. And then the, the two girls jumped back in, and they go, uh, you know, no, that's not really it. Problem is, is that our father had passed away last year, and my mom 
has never spoken really. She was just always down and depressed and stuff like that. And tonight, after the show or during the show, was the first time we really ever heard her laugh like she used to. And I, she goes, and wow. that's all because of you. And I said, wow. You know, I, I never realized how healing laughter can be. Um, and um, that night it, it proved it. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know what the, your story really does, Daryl, to me, is it really underscores what a gift that, that you folks have, funny people and comedians, because it, it's just such a gift. And, and when you're talking about it being medicine, humor, and everything like that, be able to connect with somebody on that level, it's so profound, so profound. We have another caller on the line, Arlo, listening in Porcupine, South Dakota on Keeley. Arlo, you're on Native America, Native America Calling. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love the program. Uh, I just wanted to call in and just just say it's it's really one challenge that we have on the radio to to be entertaining and then to be funny at the same time is, is really difficult. And I guess that the way I look at it is that you mentioned it earlier in the program that humor comes from a dark place. And I think about like the Pioneer Reservation and all of the atrocities that happened to it. And man, I, I got to tell you, some of the funniest people I find are those uncles, those aunties that are, that, that, you know, had that, that hard life. And it's really, it's really interesting too, because like you can literally turn a situation around a few years back. I had to go to Minneapolis to, to do a, um, a, um, a hosting gig for a conference. And uh, me and my cousin Santi went to this uh, conference, and while we were there, like my the very first day I was there, my daughter's school had a active had an active shooter at, at her school, and this is the first time I've ever been away from my family ever. So I was wrecked, like I was like tearing up, and I couldn't like handle myself. I was trying to find a hotel flight back, and we couldn't find one. But then I went and talked to my cousin Santi. And he's like one of those belligerent. He's so funny sometimes, but like he goes through. After I tell him what's up, like I tell him this bad thing happened. I want to go home, and then he goes, "All right, um, well, let's see how we can make this funny." <laughs> so, so as he said that, I was just like, "Just what are you talking about? I want to go home," and I don't know how he talked me into it. And it's probably because of the conference. It was a healing conference. And he got me going, and it, he got me through that dark time. It was a really bad time for me, but somehow he managed it, and um, we, we pulled it off. We pulled off the conference. Must not have, we must not have done a very good job either because it was supposed to be like an annual conference. It was like the first time it happened. It never happened again. So, <laughs> But it's true, though. Yeah, sometimes humor comes from a really dark place. Well, Arlo, thank you for those comments and, and that story as well. And uh, it's just, it's it's fascinating, you know, how, how humor comes. And, and I, I, again, I feel like some people are just kind of kind of born with that gift or, or, or being able to take a, a situation, a tough situation, and, and turn it into to something humorous. And uh amazes me uh, that we have folks in our communities that have this talent and, and are able to do that and, and take such a, such powerful thoughts and emotions and, and translate them into humor and, and give us that, that gift, this gift of humor and insight. 
Well, folks, if you've got a question or a comment, again, uh, we've got comedians on the show, entertainers. We are talking about Native humor. We're talking about April Fool's Day. We're talking about jokes. We're talking about where humor comes from, what it looks like, what it means. Give us a call. Share your story. Share your humor. 1-800-996-2848. That is the number to call. You can also connect with us online at NativeAmericaCalling.com. You can connect with us on Facebook at Native America Calling or even on Twitter at one 800 native We've got a lot of channels to connect with you to hear your humor, so please reach out. We're going to take a short break right now, but we'll be right back. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strongheart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strongheart's Native Helpline. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about Native comedy today. When you get us all in a room, we start laughing and joking around. Doesn't matter what the occasion is either. That's our aim on the show today, to make you laugh. So call in 1-800-996-2848 if you've got something funny to add to the conversation. Let's hear from our next guest, the Res Reporter, Rob Fairbanks. Rob, how did you come up with your character, Res Reporter? Well, uh, it was a, a mixture of things. Um, you know, uh, I was always a big fan of the movie uh, Smoke Signals. And I remember there was a bit in there. Well, well, to begin with, Thomas was always, you know, the character, you know, hey, Victor, you know, he was the most <laughs> lovable character in that movie, you know. And uh, like like uh, you were saying about Nato's humor, it's like he was a storyteller in that in that movie, you know, and he was always telling stories, you know, and. And that's what made him so like lovable and re- relatable to. And for me, in my family, uh, my uncle was the storyteller in, in our family, and I always like I, I used to love that about you know when we get together and family uh, with gatherings and stuff, and you know, and you ain't seen a relative in a long time, and you would hear the stories, you know, and you, like I said, you know, you, like my uncle, you know, he. You would hear, you know, no matter what he was talking about, you always wanted to hear what he had to say because you knew it was going to be good, you know, or it was going to be funny, you know. And I, I wanted to share that with the world, you know. And and like I was saying with the Smoke Signal movie, they had the bit in there where they were, like, they did the traffic report from the radio, you know, they're like, WRZ News, you know, let's go to the traffic. And, and they had the guy up on a... He's on a banded RV on a country road, you know, on the res. And, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, ain't much uh, going on, you know. <laughs> you know, so-and-so was speeding again, you know. And I, I thought that was so funny, you know, and I thought that was the best bit in the movie. And I always, like, wanted, like, wished that we had something on like that in our reservation. And, and I started thinking, you know, 
why, you know, why I don't have to wait for the res or anybody to do it. I said, I could just do it myself on a phone, you know, and just, you know, just for fun. And, and I had friends, I used to do videos for friends and just for fun. And they were always telling me, you know, you should do a weather report, you know, like on the wet, about the weather and stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? So, uh, and that's kind of what I, I started the res reporter characters, you know, I started the res report and you know, doing the weather reports and traffic reports. Cause I always thought it was funny, you know, where, you know, you watch news and the weatherman's trying to predict the weather, telling you, you know, it's going to be nice and sunny out. But as soon as you go outside and have a picnic, it starts raining. You know, and right. it's like, you can't, you know, Mother Nature is going to do what she does. So I always, <laughs> I always, you know, I always felt like all you can do is just accept it, you know. And I always thought, what's the best way to, you know, to deal with all the snow, especially up here? We do a lot of snow and, you know, the weather's crazy. So all we can do is just sit back and laugh about it, you know. So Rob, how often do you do your weather reports every day or, or weekly? How how often do you put them out? Well, I, I would say uh, uh, in the beginning there, I, I was doing, I'd probably do them. I would say I was doing more, like you know, they were like monthly, you know, kind of closer to part. But um, the more and more I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I do them farther apart now, and I think that's just because you know I. Uh, I always want to come up with something new. And then a lot of times uh, I get inspired by the weather or something that's going on, you know, and when I get the inspiration, then I do them. So I, you know, now it's, it's kind of just, you know, when, when it calls, when nature calls. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we have another caller on the line. He Loha listening on K U Y I in second Mesa, Arizona. You're on native America calling. Hey, I um, I just came back into the house, uh, but I heard what you were talking about. I just had to call in. Uh, I got a story. But, uh, Floyd uh, Red Crow Westerman was a, a good friend of the family, you know, in Los Angeles. He lived in, in uh, Marina Del Rey. But, um, you know, when, when Floyd was starting to feel not so good, he uh, um, he had caught a, a, a ailment. And... Uh, and Charlie Hill was a good friend too. Uh, th- you know, checking on on Floyd, they were kind of buddies. You know, Charlie and and Floyd would you know hang out. Uh, and and Floyd, he caught a uh, a virus from where he was living uh, with the um, uh, seagulls. You know, the <laughs> the poop from the seagulls, the, the dust actually is, is uh, was was what messed up his lungs. And he and so we were all kind of concerned about him and everything. And then. I saw Floyd one day, and, and, and he said, yeah, I, I, I told Charlie, you know, uh, what was going on, uh, you know, with my lungs and, and what what it came from. You know, I caught it from the birds and stuff. And after, you know, Charlie just kind of ponders for a minute and trying to think of something to say. And, and Floyd says to Charlie, I just had a blues. It yeah, sounds like a chicken bleep disease to me. And and he said that just took the edge off for, for a lot of us, you know, because it was such a a really trying thing. You know, we all love Floyd and, and really didn't want to see anything happen to him. And, and he started feeling better, you know, and he had like quite a few good days after that, but, um, just the magic of, of humor, you know, and, and native humor, you know, uh, Charlie is, uh, I mean, he's the greatest, you know, as far as our people's representation for, for humor, he's up there with, with these guys in the, in the mainstream, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the non-Indian world, but um, it's just something that took the edge off, you know, when we were really, really worried and depressed about uh, about Floyd's condition. 
So this is just a little, I just wanted to share that, you know, how something like that, just that quick, you know, Charlie's brilliance and his wit with his humor took the edge off of something, uh, you know, so, uh, so harsh for us. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Hiloha, with those comments. And again, uh, the late great legends, uh, Floyd Westerman and, and the late Charlie Hill, uh, famous Oneida comedian. I had the pleasure of watching him one time uh, perform at the Oneida Casino, sat right up there in the front row, and uh, he didn't even heckle me for it. So I was pretty grateful for that. But yeah, true true legends for sure in Indian country. And Rob, I, I want to ask you, because, you know, talking about We've been talking about how comedy has evolved over the years, Indian humor and such not, or whatnot. And I'm curious, like with social media, YouTube, TikTok, how has that changed native comedy? Well, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's changed a lot. It's changed because uh, back in the day, uh, you know, before all the social media and all the, you know, modern technology, all the devices, cell phones and stuff like that and the internet, you know, you, you had to like, Back then, it was harder to get your name out there. You know, you had to physically go to places. You had to physically write a letter and mail it and go through the whole mail system. And, you know, or, you know, when emails came or phone calls, you know, it's like you had to physically do stuff and it took a lot longer. And I've been fortunate enough that, you know, I was born in an era where social media was available, you know, and through Facebook and YouTube and doing my videos and then by them going viral, uh, it reached uh, people farther than I would ever be able to, you know, places I've never been or probably may never even go. But uh, through f- social media and the Internet, it, it's made it easier for, um, you know, uh, the younger generation or us, you know, the uh, comedian, native comedians coming up uh, that we're able to get our names out there more. You know, even though we may live in, you know, remote places, you know, through the internet, we're able to reach out and get our names out there. So you're starting to see a lot more uh, Native American comedians, you know, you know, through, you know, using their platforms of social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and what I think is cool, too, it's not just stand up either, right? Like some people just do little TikTok videos and little skits and things like that. Like it seems not only has it expanded the audience and created this whole new platform, but even just the forms of comedy. Have, have seemed to evolve as well, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've always, like, anytime I go speaking or, I'm, you know, in different communities, I, I always encourage kids to just, no matter what they, you know, what they want to do, you know, if, you know, whether it's dancing, singing, art, you know, whatever, even if it's politics or, you know, activism or whatever, you know, I was like, you know, social media is a perfect platform for you to get your, your voice heard. You know, to get your, you know, your message out there or just get exposure, you know, whether, like you said, you know, uh, whether it's just TikToks, you you know, you, you know, you're just dancing or you're just doing little skits. And, you know, it, it for me, that, that that's amazing. Cause like I said, you know, um, you know, some kids, you know, especially if you're way out there in the woods, you know, it, it's hard. To, you know, you don't get to go anywhere. So it, it gives you an outlet, you know, it gives you something so you can reach out and communicate and make connections with other people. Okay. Howie, I've got a question for you. Uh, you know, you've been in the business a long time, and um, this whole Will Smith, Chris Rock incident—I I, can't—I can't do a show with with native comedians and not bring it up. And and quite frankly, Howie, I'm a little worried for you guys. I mean, I, 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 a little heckling here and there. I get that, but is it cool for somebody to jump up on stage and take a swing at a comedian because they don't like a joke? 
And Howie, again, you've been in the business a long time. I'm curious, what's your take? Um, my take is absolutely not. Uh, committing a public assault is, is it's, it's, it's assault. It's against the law. It's, it's horrible. And Chris Rock, uh, one of the best comedians, and he, he's the ultimate winner in this thing because he handled it like a pro. He moved on. He tried to get the show back on its tracks. Uh, after a horrible, disgusting event. Uh, it's just appalling what happened and, and what was allowed to take place. And I really hope the repercussions are coming soon because that can't be, that can't set a precedent. You know, you're taking a role model for little kids to look up to and now it's all right to go up and publicly slap somebody. That's, that's just the wrong image. Um, and as far as stand-up concerned, my first reaction was like, well, I hope nothing happens because I slap back. But then I, I paused and thought about it. I go, well, no, that's, that's defeating my sort of stance against violence anyway. So Chris Rock did the right thing. Just move forward. Hopefully security in the room would, would, would take care of it. I know for comedians, it's a tough call for security or, you know, it's hard to be thought of as somebody that you need to take care of when you're coming into the kitchen uh, and then you hit the stage. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it was an unfortunate event and it's, and unfortunately it's going to be that that image is going to be around for a long time. So now, Howie, as a comedian, though, you, I mean, you do take some, take some licks, right? I mean, you have hecklers and things like that. Have you had to deal with that throughout your career? Any kind of crazy stories of hecklers or, or how do you deal with them? What's, what's, what's the secret to just getting through a show when you've got people kind of, kind of leaning on you like that? The secret I find is to be so funny that they don't heckle. And I've never had a heckler in my entire 25 years. I'm kidding. Um, April Fool's. <laughs> Uh, you try to keep the keep the the train on its tracks, and you try to keep moving forward. That's what I do. If they want to engage, you know, I'll have a back and forth. We all have our stock sort of comeback lines to to these people that want to be part of the show. Ultimately, they're either too drunk and they just want their their spotlight, or they they have an opinion they want to be heard. But it's the wrong choice to do it at a comedy club because we have armor. We have I have weapons to come to come back at you if and if if need be. But sometimes it's it's impossible. There was a woman one time in one of my shows, and it was a small town and in a bar. Uh, it was a fundraiser, actually, but her and her friend were in the front row. They had too much to drink, and she kept yelling up, and I couldn't understand what she was saying. So that was the, the first part. It was like, I'm just trying to make people laugh, and I couldn't understand her. Finally, I paused, and I said, hello, you seem like you need to say something. What would you like to say? And she looked at me straight in the eyes and said, how come you're not making fun of my hair lip? And Jeez. I'm like, I was, I was shocked. I was like, well, okay, a, I wouldn't, I would never do that to somebody. It, you know, make fun of a, an abnormality or or whatever. What, what makes you different? What makes you, you know, stand out? But I was, I, I, I have no response. I was so set, set back. I was like, I have no response to this. I mean, it, it says it all on its own, right? So sometimes, sometimes it's a little tough. Right, right. How I know you do shows for for non-native audiences. You do shows for native audiences. Is it a different approach? Do you use different jokes depending on on the, your audience, or do you pretty much do the same routines regardless? You know what we were talking about Charlie Hill uh, and an amazing, an amazing person. I'm so happy to work with him, formed with him, and to to have him in my life. Uh, we were doing a show uh, in his area there, and we. Uh, me and Mark Yaffe, we stopped at his place because we had got a, or an early flight or a late night flight. He put us on his couches, and I woke up in the afternoon to, to Charlie Hill making breakfast. 
and, and then we were on the road again, and we were doing um, a couple of uh, Native American casinos, but we did a couple bars in between that to sort of tie up the, the tour. And the difference in, in what we do and watching him, how he um, is sort of a chameleon for different crowds is really what I was trying to emulate and what I've always tried to do. Because, I mean, if I can be, if I can perform in front of non-Native people and Native people, that, you know, means more work. But it's also, it gives me a chance to sort of educate a little bit to the non-Natives about what it's like to be us in a humorous way. Um, so maybe they won't make so much fun when it comes down to it, because if they hear they, if they hear something stereotypical as a joke, they'll be like, you know what, he's joking about that, but I understand what he means. So maybe I won't say that again, right? So that's what I try to do. I try to pass pass them along some messages. Okay, thank you so much. We've got uh, a couple more minutes before we're gonna have to wrap up the show, but I do want to give all of our entertainers a chance to share how we can learn more about their work. So how we uh, where can people follow you? Uh, I'm on all the, uh, I'm all of this. I'm so old. I put the, so I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the TikTok. I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Twitter. I'm just sitting on my Twitter, having a tweet. So come poke my face. I don't know how any of it works, um, <laughs> but I'm all there. You just have to look up Howie Miller. I'm sure some of them are Howie Miller one, like the number one Howie Miller 72, because apparently there's other okay. Howie Millers out there. I wasn't aware. Okay. Uh, Daryl, how about you? How can we connect with you? Well, I do have, like I said, do have an entertainment company. Uh, you can reach it by going to bluestoneproductions.net. And okay, I was just, thank uh, you. You had to ask Howie, Howie the question about uh, the Chris Rock and uh, Will Smith incident. I, okay. I, I, you know, Chris can be a little bit harsh sometimes. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I, I consider, I guess, um, Will Smith counting cool, I guess. You know, he just went up there and slapped okay. his enemy and that was it. Okay. And uh, we're going to go ahead and put Rob's information on the website so you can connect with him as well. We've reached the end of the hour, and I'm going to say thank you to our guests, Howie Miller, Rob Fairbanks, and Daryl Lawrence Filippi for joining us on April Fools. Next week, we're back with another round of live discussions about Native issues and topics. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producer is Andy Murphy. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Show McPollin is the digital producer. Production help this week by Luella Bryn. Nola Daves-Moses is the distribution director, and Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our chief operations officer. The president and CEO of Quantic Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. I'm Sean Spruce. Have a great weekend. Support by the American Indian College Fund. The American Indian College Fund provides millions of dollars of scholarships to thousands of Native students every year. Tribal citizens of every age and experience are eligible. Scholarship applications are now open for the upcoming school year at collegefund.org. That's collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Education is the answer. Hey, hey.
Ja mistä se healthcare walkin avaajaisesti, että niissä sanat on healthcare coverage ja niitä ne naptuu. Asteet ajujenkin ennen toi, ja mistä aikoa mos avaajua, kun etätätty this healthcare.govin avaajan tai istun 1-800-318-2596 on pitänyt aikennaptu. Lukka Centers for Medicare Medicare Services on pitänyt itulohkeen aue. Elähkoa. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.